I got friends only wanna talk business. I got expensive, cause when is expensive. I got expensive, cause when is expensive. I've been reading out of work. Yeah, and welcome to Put That Copy Down, the sales, the freight sales show for closers. My name is Kevin Hill. Uh, I am your host today here with my co-host, Richie Daigle. How are you doing, Richie? Yeah, doing well. How are you, Kevin? I'm doing good. <laughs> I am doing good. I, I almost forgot to say freight sales, but this show is all about freight sales. It's all about... The 3PLs, the freight brokers, the, the carrier salespeople, the freight check salespeople, just like yourself, Richie, and selling within the logistics and transportation supply chain industry. So we, uh, we're going to talk a lot about hustling and grinding today. We're going to talk about what it takes, what, what it takes to, to, to put your head down day in, day out, get results. Part of that is through passion and, and liking what you do, loving what you do, really, and a little bit about shortcuts that, that you can do to, to amp up your lead generation plan. So we're going to talk about lead generation. It's all about the hustle and the grind. And uh, we have our, our special guest, Andy Hedrick from Trucking Tower. He's the, the founder and CEO over there uh, talking about lead generation today. Um, but yeah, what, what do you think? Rick? Yeah, I mean, hustle, grind and sales. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is prospecting, right? Like that's... Uh, it's building the pipeline and and going out there and, and grinding and finding those leads and making those calls and sending those emails. And uh, yeah, there's uh, a lot of synonymous, right? Grinding and prospecting to me is uh, there's a lot in common there. It, it is. It's that heavy lifting of sales, right? It's the, the part of sales that no one really enjoys, right? It is, I always call it the dish digging of sales. Right, that, that manual labor that you go in, that you really you don't really want to do that. You want to do everything else, all the, the glory things, right? The, the pre presenting, the closing, the, uh, the, the collecting commission checks. You want all those things. But the, the lead generation and prospecting are, it's practice, right? It's the, the practice that you just don't want to get out of bed and do every day. Yeah, it's a bit more vulnerability with prospecting too, right? I mean, you're making cold calls, you're putting yourself out there. Uh, it's a numbers game. There's going to be a lot of times where, uh, you know, your your rejections are high. You know, like there's, yeah. it's like baseball when you're hitting 300, you know, if you're getting, you know, three successful calls out of 10 cold calls, then you're doing great, right? And uh, Fantastic. There's, a, there's a mindset that you have to have for that. And um yeah and, and that's really interesting to me about exploring what that mindset is and, and what it looks like and and looking at you know what how it how it's come out in the real world before and in other applications I, you really do it, it's 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 uh, if you take baseball right it's it's taking those 100 ground balls right and, and getting hit in the shins and you know getting a jam thumb and, and things like that you know i i think I'd, most people would rather do that than hearing no over and over and over again on the phone or through email or in person when you're knocking on doors. I, I think uh, I think most of us would probably take the uh, the sore thumbs and the the, the bruised, bruised shins. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And um, yeah, and when, when you're in the sales process, like once you're into talking to your decision makers and talking to those key stakeholders, you're in a bit of more of a controlled atmosphere, right? You're in your, your sweet spot and like and now I can talk time. about what I'm able to do, right? But yeah. when you're prospecting, you're just, you're out there, 
<laughs> so, um, you know, it's it, there, there's a bit more exposure there and you're not quite as much of a comfort level. But yeah, to the, to your point, you know, uh, it's it's not as not as comforting for sure. It, it is. And, you know, salespeople get booed, I suppose. Right. You get booed by uh, all the co-calls you do uh, at least 90 percent, 95 percent. Oftentimes in freight brokerage, it's, it's almost 100 percent of the time you're getting booed. You're, you're getting thrown off the stage. You are getting the TV show cut in the middle, right? Um, but but that one percent, you know, or that half a percent sometimes can can make a break you, make a really great life for you, or uh, can make you mis- miserable. It's really up to you. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think a lot of it is how you're framing things, right? If you're calling and you're saying I'm on the phone to sell you something, then you're putting yourself in the position of a salesperson. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of assumptions that come to mind there. Uh, that may or may not be true. And whereas if, if you're seeking to make a connection, you're seeking to drive value, if you're able to connect and you're able to succeed with connecting with people and showing and proving that you're trustworthy and you have something valuable to uh, to offer them, then the, the sales is just one component of the, the environment and the situation that you're putting in place there. Um, and, and yeah, so I, I definitely think that framing it and the, you know, how you're approaching prospecting is, is super important. It really is. So, so Darius Smith here, President and CEO at, at Atrius Freight Logistics. Hello, everyone from California. Uh, we also have Julio Madera and Peter Belay. Cheers, Kevin. And Dooner is here asking about your background again. Is that a small stained glass window on top of a window or it an is, optical it, illusion? It's both. It's glass on glass. Glass on glass. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Is that we even possible? Glass and glass. Yeah, we uh, we brought it with us. We moved here from the farm, and it's uh, it's been part of my wife's family for a little while. So we wanted nice. to keep it here. Nice, nice. Let's uh, let's talk about Surge Transportation, right? Our sponsor here at Put That Coffee Down. Surge Transportation's fastest growing 3PL in the logistics space today. They're based in Chicago and Jacksonville, Florida. They offer unrestricted access to almost all accounts, limitless territory, and a chance to be a key player in a growing company. To find out more, email jobs at surgetransportation.com. Once again, that's jobs at surgetransportation.com. So Chicago and Jacksonville are where they're headed out of. And uh, yeah, go to Surge Transportation, check them out there. So we're talking about hustle and grinds. Surge Transportation is about hustle and grind. We're all really about hustle and grind in something in our lives, right? Something that we do, maybe it's work-related, maybe it's not work-related, maybe it's out in the garden, maybe it's out on the farm. Uh, who knows, right? But there, there's something that, that we like to spend our time doing. And it's, it's, you know, it's really good when what you really love doing also brings you more money. That's my philosophy about it. You know, I, I don't want to love something. You know, I, I have this, uh, this this thing where I'm just going to go play golf all day at some point in my life, right? But I figure after about 30 days of that, I'm going to become the most bored person in the world because I'm going to be trying to play this game that I'll never be very good at. Uh, and it's going to cost me a lot of money. So I might as well do something I love doing and make some money, make that hobby turn in some cash flow for me. 100%. I heard somebody say, you know, I, there's common job advice out there that says, go do what you love. It could be a bit misleading for that exact mm-hmm. purpose, right? Uh, I could love doing this. I could love doing that, but it may not be applicable. Um, go find what you are good at and do that. 
<laughs> right? I feel like that's better advice. You know, like if you're really good at something, take notice of that. And if that thing happens to uh, you know bring you money, take more notice of that and and go that direction. Um, and then that joy, that love can can happen and grow from there. And usually we we really like and enjoy what we're good at, right? So whatever our natural abilities are where intellectual curiosity drives us, we are gonna be better than most at that. Hopefully that can, that's in a place where it can be your living. You know, you can work doing that. You know, and maybe it's uh, skill sets within a certain industry. It could be a number of things, but really enjoy what you're good at and really enjoy your job. You know, that's one of the things that, that you have to do. You have to get in an industry or a role where you really love your job. And because if you don't, you are going to, to, to have issues. You're going to have issues each day. And, uh, and I, I spent years of my life in, in that position. I don't really want to go back. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of words that it's important to understand the nuance and the difference in the definitions, right? There's love, there's fulfillment, mm-hmm. there's enjoyment. Um, and they're all slightly different things, right? You can have love doesn't have any reason to it, right? Like they're, you're going to love what you're going to love regardless Mm-hmm. Um, and you try to rationalize that, it doesn't always make sense. And there can be times when like, I am really frustrated and I'm grinding right now, but I'm also have this huge sense of fulfillment. Right. And, mm-hmm. and that fulfillment can override whatever discomfort I'm feeling in the moment, because I understand what we're moving towards, what we're working to and so forth. And that was um, a really yeah. good point. That's a really good point. That, that long-term vision, right? If you have long-term goals, where you want to get to, uh, the things that, that go wrong day to day, and a lot of things will go wrong. Things go wrong for everybody, right? Failures, little failures, little missed opportunities, little missed chances. Now, those don't really affect you at all if you have a long-term vision. If you're working to this goal, then all the, the little things that, that don't, the, the, the balls that don't bounce your way, you know, each and every day, you don't even pay attention to them. It's just like, like background noise in a way, Why? In, in a way. Yeah. And even beyond like just vision, like when you have a, a just cause that's even driving the vision that you have, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like this is what we're out to do. And here's our vision for how we're going to achieve that. And that vision may change courses a few times or may need to pivot with what the market's doing or what, what opportunities, ex, you know, expose themselves. But if you keep that, that charge, like this is what we're out to achieve and this is why we're doing what we're doing. And the forefront of your mind, and that can drive a lot of things. And, uh, you know, certainly that, that fulfillment will always be there. And I think that's important to, to uh, get through those tough times and that grind. It, it is. It is. We have Amanda Miller here, but I can save you 20%. That's uh, this sarcasm. I, I can see the sarcasm in that. And then uh, GAP Trucking, LLC, Richmond, Virginia here. But let's talk about someone who had a long-term vision, who had uh, who had goals, who who loves the hustle and the grind of minor league baseball. And this was a, a news article you'd forwarded over to me about I believe it's Scott or I'm sorry Sean Kazmar, who was a, a teammate of you of yours back in uh, your minor league days. Is that right? Yeah, Sean was he was the scrappy guy, the scrappy middle infielder that everybody on the team may not admit it, but knew deep down that this was the hardest playing guy on the team and probably also the guy that's having the most fun. Uh, he's the guy that run through a brick wall to catch a foul ball and 
uh, and then laugh about it after he bounced off, right? <laughs> it's just <laughs> a bundle of optimism and guts and heart. And uh, he's been at baseball for a long time now. I mean, we were teammates back in 2006, I believe. And that's a, that's a little while ago. And uh, he made it to the big leagues for a moment in 08. And he's been back in the minor leagues since. And, you know, everybody's talking about him grinding and his, you know, what a grind, 12 years in the minors before you get back to the big leagues. And the whole time, and, and Sean, if you ever listen to this, please call me and correct me, but I get the feeling that there might have been some moments that felt like a grind here and there, like the ups and downs of seasons and slumps and that sort of thing. But if I remember Sean correctly, he's been having a blast playing baseball for the past 12 years and yeah making it to the big leagues is a dream and that's what it was all about but i don't think he was ever bummed about you know being able to put a uniform on and go out there and compete yeah you you have to enjoy it day in day out right that's part of the grind that's part of the grind and and when people say i go out and do what you love that's I, i think that's what they really mean is that you have to to love going out there every single day and building toward that goal or just just going out and having fun. You know, that if you can get up, go to the office, go to the ballpark, whatever it is, and have just a good time, right? It doesn't feel like a hustle. It, does, or it doesn't feel like a grind, right? Uh, and, and that's, that's one of the, the, the big components of, uh, of being able to, to, to grind it out. It's just enjoying it, right? And, you know, that can be love, that could be fulfillment, that, that could be all these other uh, buzzwords as well, but if you really do enjoy it, if you can't think of doing anything else, which uh, it sounds like Sean, I mean, it, minor league baseball, you don't get paid that much, you know, it's, it's not always that enjoyable for, for most people. So to be able to go out there until your mid-30s, right, 12 years, uh, and I, I don't know if he's still in Atlanta right now or if he's been been down again, but, you know, the, the 12 years of, of playing, I, I guess it's been more than that, probably like 15 years of playing minor league baseball has got to be taxing on just about everybody or anybody. hundred percent. You know, they always say, you know, there's one of those buzzwords out there. It's like, learn to love the journey, right? The mm-hmm. journey is more important than the destination. I agree completely, but that doesn't make the journey rosy. It doesn't make the <laughs> journey like, like, you know, wonderful and warm and fuzzy all the time. The journey can be hard. There can be obstacles. It can, there can be ups and downs. You can get beat up. You can get beat down, et cetera. But the fact that you're still on the journey at all uh, is huge. And, and, you know, you have to keep that in mind that, you know, the, the ability to compete, the ability to have the, the chance to grind it out and all of these things, you find enjoyment in the difficulties. And once you start finding some fulfillment and enjoyment in the hardest of hard times, uh, then, you know, you're really in a good situation and, and you're setting yourself up for a lot of success. Do you regret not playing uh, minor league baseball for 12 years? You know, I turned down a lot of opportunities to play independent ball. And, you know, I think about that, um, and it was a risk analysis for me, right? You know, Mm -hmm. like when I, when I turned down, I don't know, I think I had a dozen offers or so. And, you know, the more I thought about it was I knew the odds of getting out of independent ball to get back into minor league ball. And I knew then the odds of getting from minor league ball to the big leagues. And so I'm doing all these calculations in my age and where we're at. And, you know, I made a, a, a risk adverse decision there to move on. Um, do I miss competing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I was also in the position to where I wasn't 
completely dependent on baseball, you know, making grades and, yeah. and felt like I was going to be successful in other avenues as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it is what it is. And that's the decision that I made at the time. I don't, maybe I'd make a different decision today. Maybe mm-hmm. I would, I don't know. Um, it's, but yeah. I, I tell you what, one of the, 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 the biggest things that struck me with this, this article is that they have the lineup cards for the, the last time he was in the major leagues in, in 20, 2008. Right. And I, I go through all 18 players on the lineup cards. No one is, no one's in the, 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 the big leagues anymore, right? I mean, you have like no more Manny, uh, Russell Martin. Uh, there, there's some really, you know, Hunley, Will Venables, uh, some, 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 some major names here uh, and some minor names, but no one, I don't think anyone's still active in the major leagues, but Sean is. Yeah. You know, you think about like poker tournaments and it's not about yeah. having the biggest chip stack. It's just about being the last per- person sitting at a table. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like <laughs> the whole idea of a poker tournament is like keep playing. As long as you have a seat and a chip, you're in it. Right. And it's kind yeah. of the same thing with baseball. It's like keep playing. And I'd even say in freight brokerage, like as long as you're in the game and you're making money to be in the game, you're putting yourself in the position to expand and grow and, and you're in the game period. Um, and, and you, even if that's not looking super bright at the moment, um, you know, the fact of being in the game at all is a win. And, and that's a win that sometimes you need to remember if things are tough at the moment. Um, it's good to, good to keep that perspective. It, it is, it is. You have to get up every morning and, and like what you do. If you don't, it's yep. hard to be successful. I mean, it's, it's, unless you're really, really good at what you do. And, uh, <laughs> and, and if you are, you should go find an environment where you're really, really enjoy showing up or, or logging in now, right? Since we're all working from home, uh, you just have to, you have to find that. And once you find that, then you can, if you like the grind, because that's the success is all about grinding away. I mean, that's, that's, that's 99% of it. You know, they have the, the sayings, 90% of life is just showing up. And, uh, and, yep. and there's a, there's a lot of good advice in that, in that saying, I guess that's the reason why I think it's about, <laughs> it makes you think about Michael Jordan, right? Like they said, when Michael uh-huh. Jordan was, was in practice, he had the same intensity as a game and it wasn't like, I'm going to have the same intensity as a game. No, that is just his journey. That was, that was his enjoyment of any opportunity to compete regardless of what the yeah. situation or the circumstance or who the audience was. Um, or if it's 3, 3 a.m. in a, in a, a casino in, 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 in <laughs> Nowheresville, you know, Louisiana, right? In, in Shreveport or Tunica. Yeah, there's yeah. definitely a downside to that mindset if you're not <laughs> careful, right? <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, it's an enjoyment of competition. So really quickly, Richie, let's uh, let's talk about carbon intelligence. We had uh, our, our latest virtual conference last week, last Thursday. It was the Net Zero Carbon Summit. We talked we talked about sustainability, but in in really the, the reference of reducing carbon emissions, uh, you know, decarbonization, transportation, logistics, shippers. We had uh, some some outstanding outstanding uh, companies come in. JB Hunt keynoted that. Craig Harper. Uh, talking about JB Hunt's plans, uh, Sonar has carbon intelligence, uh, a new feature in Sonar that, that we have that calculates carbon footprints. Can you explain briefly what that means? Yeah, you know, it's at a high level without going into all the granularities, but 
you're essentially able to see the carbon footprint of any full truckload move, whether it's ban or reaper, you know, taking into account the, the type of freight and, you know, are you going over mountains and, you know, how much fuel is being burned on, on this one specific three-digit to three-digit OD pair. And with that visibility, um, you know, shippers can make more intelligent decisions around their networks and, and, and what modes they're going to use um, when they're going to make those, those movements. There's a lot of key decisions that can be powered by understanding what the carbon footprint is at any given point in time on any specific lane. Uh, it's powerful stuff. And I think it goes hand in hand where shippers and carriers can finally agree. You know, all these carriers are going to reduce their deadhead miles. Deadhead miles definitely have, you know, implications into, uh, you know, the carbon footprint. Shippers are be motivated to, you know, report back, like, look at what we're doing to make ourselves more sustainable. Um, it's exciting to see companies and entities kind of find, you know, <laughs> you talk about journeys, everyone's joining together to say, like, hey, we have a common cause that we can all work towards. And here's a tool that can help us all, you know, reach those goals and, and, and achieve, uh, uh, you know, carbon reduction in the transportation space. So I'm really excited to be a part of the Sonar team that's able to spread this technology across the whole country and get this into as many hands as possible because uh, the implications are going to be massive. They're going to be massive and it's going to be a grind. You're, you're exactly right. You know, I mean, we're talking about goals in, in 2050, you know, reducing carbon mm-hmm. over the next 30 years. And I, I tell you what, anything you do day in, day out for 30 years, that's a grind. Uh, that, that is. So I, it, it's going to take a lot of parties to, 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 to figure this out. Um, but yeah, I, certainly if, if you want to learn more about carbon intelligence in that tool and sonar, reach out to, to, to Richie. What's your email address, Richie? Yeah, it's rdaigle at FreightWaves.com. So it's R-D-A-I-G-L-E at FreightWaves.com. And I believe it's Richard Daigle on LinkedIn, right? Or is it Richie? I believe so. Or Rich, yeah, it may be Richie. My dad's a Richard. I'm a junior, Kevin. Everyone's always called me Little Richie, but um, <laughs> I'll answer if people call me Richard, too. So either nice. way, um, yeah, I'm on the LinkedIn as well. Uh, you're on that LinkedIn. That's, that's good. You're on the LinkedIn. Uh, you can go to the Google and 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 find the find the LinkedIn, right? Uh, <laughs> speaking about LinkedIn, think, uh, speaking about prospecting, lead generation is something I really like to talk about, just because uh, it, it's it's the hardest thing in sales. And we were talking about it earlier. Richie is is it's it's the ditch digging of sales. It's that manual work that's never any fun. It's hard to hustle. It's hard to grind. It's hard to take all those no's, but that's where the the rewards lie. So we're, we're going to bring on Andrew, Andy Hedrick right now. He's the uh, founder and CEO of a Trucking Tower and someone that we know very well here. Andy, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. You bet. Anytime. So, so Andy, uh, I know you, Richie knows you, uh, Freight Waves knows you, but why, why don't you uh, introduce yourself and Trucking Tower to our audience? Sure. So um, back in 1996, I got an industrial engineering degree from our alma mater, Kevin, University of Oklahoma. Go Boomer Sooners. Boomer Sooner. That's right. And so I've spent the last 25 years working in supply chain sales, marketing, and implementations. Been lucky enough to work in seven different countries. 
And 14 of those years were in trucking technology. And so I have a company, Trucking Tower. Uh, we help companies do more with less in terms of sales and in terms of operations as well. Perfect. So, and you're based out of Oklahoma City, you know, and you've, uh, I don't think you've been on Put That Coffee Down before, have you? You've been I have on not. What the truck I have and, not. This is my things. first time. Yeah, yeah. But you, you kind of, you recommend Brad McBride down in Florida that to come on. Uh, uh, I guess it's been a few months ago now. Uh, but it's always a pleasure talking to you, Andy. You're such an optimistic person. I, I think that that probably helps you out quite a bit in sales, right? You, your optimism just just uh, just rains out every time I talk to you. You know, it's important. <laughs> you don't want to get on the phone with somebody and be down <laughs> in sales. So uh, yeah, I think uh, you know your attitude. Uh, I certainly, you know, try and carry a positive attitude. Of course, we all go through things, right? Yeah. But. You don't want to carry that into a sales conversation or an introduction meeting. Certainly, you know, you try and keep that somewhere in the back, basically, and uh, keep it positive, keep it upbeat as much as you can. Yeah, it's great. It makes me, uh, it, it makes me think of uh, Victor Frankl. I don't know if you're, you're uh, familiar with Victor Frankl, but he used to always use this analogy about landing a plane when there's crosswinds and you have to, you know, if you're trying to land in a certain direction, you have to aim above that. And, and the winds blow you down into where you're trying to get. And sometimes you have to, if you're trying to go one direction and get to one, to one place, you have to be more optimistic than that <laughs> because the, <laughs> the cross winds of sails will blow you back down to the place where you're trying to get. <laughs> sometimes uh, optimism is the best form of realism in that sense. Absolutely. You know, and uh, that brings me back to a story. Early in my career after graduating, I was flying into Oklahoma City in a snowstorm and it was 40 mile an hour winds. And I'm sitting beside a guy that's flown his whole career and he goes, oh, my gosh. And I thought, oh, wow, are we in trouble here? But he pulled it back. Right. He fought the wind. He got us onto the runway, obviously. And uh, so it, it turned out OK. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like a Cessna or something? It, it, the doesn't sound like it was commercial. It was a prop plane. Oh, okay. Yep. Back in the days of prop planes, back in 97, 98. And a lot of those prop planes, they just don't fly in and out of icy conditions anymore for some, well, there were some accidents. Yeah, obvious so, reasons, uh, but, right? Yeah, for obvious reasons, right? Uh, planes don't do well with ice on the wings. So, but we, uh, we were fortunate and we, uh, you know, we made it in okay. But it was an interesting uh, flight in, that's for sure. Yeah, Richie brings up a good, really good point, right? You have to, the, the crosswinds analogy, I, I really like it because um, if, if you read books on, on writing, right, and we're going to talk about emails and LinkedIn messages here in a little bit, you have to, you have to write really energetically, right? Because that's going to filter down to the written word. You, your thoughts are going to filter down to the written word, and it's going to take a lot of that energy away, right? And then when someone reads that, by, by the fact of reading it, filters out even more energy. So you have to really go all over the top whenever you're writing, especially sales literature, because there's so many filters that go through until the, the final reader actually absorbs it, right? It's, it's, it, you have to shoot over, just, just like crosswinds, right? Because you're gonna be dragged down by, by the normal process. It's the same for TV too, right? You have to be a little bit more energetic uh, because then it's going to get filtered by the camera and then filtered by the viewer. And there's a lot of filtering that out of the energy that, that takes an effect no matter what you do. 
Absolutely. You got to keep it. You know, I like to say what's in it for them also. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something that a lot of people really are missing on is what is in it for them. If I write an email like a sales book or a resume, it's not going to be nearly as well received as I say, have you ever thought about doing this with your own company? You know, have you ever thought about this? What would it mean for you if you were able to do this? And it puts in, into their mind, well, that sounds really interesting. Um, I'm really inter- interested in doing that. So, you know, whenever we're doing our messaging, um, we're always thinking about what's in it for them. That's one of the big things. Yeah, it reminds me of, uh, you know, years ago when I got some some tough love on some sales emails I was sending out, you know, and uh, somebody told me, go go through and, and count how many times you said I and me and your email. <laughs> and count how many times you said you and your and um and then compare the two and that was enlightening <laughs> you know it's you know and just just trying to understand how you're framing your conversation you can figure out a lot just by counting the number of times you're saying you're pointing at yourself versus the number of times you're pointing at your prospect um and yeah i think that's spot on you know keeping their their interests in mind is is key uh i don't want to read anything that is telling me something about somebody else, right? If I'm, if I'm opening up an email out of the blue, it better be good. <laughs> what, do you, what do you got for me? You know? um, so yeah, it's a, I think that's spot on. Yeah, absolutely. And attention spans are shorter than ever. So you better hit them with something of value right up front or those emails are probably not going to get a lot of reads and opens, you know? I, it, it won't. One of the things I started experimenting, we, we were going to talk about messaging here in a second, whether it's a cold email or a cold LinkedIn message, it's all the same, or a cold card or a letter that you, you put in snail mail. It's all the same because intention spans are short. But I started experimenting uh, and, and kind of pushing myself, I, I know, to the limit or, or expecting myself not to, to say anything about myself whatsoever, my company, anything. And in really pushing it to the limit of, they basically would have to Google it to, to really find out what I was doing because it was all focused on them or their solution or, or something like that. And I just leave myself completely out. And, um, and I just started experimenting with that. And, and you learn a lot whenever you, you test things out, you do like A-B testing and, and just uh, seeing what will work. You know, I was showing up every day in my office sending out four or 5,000 emails. If you're doing that, you start experimenting because you, you, you just want to find out what works. Um, but yeah, you, I, I would encourage everybody to experiment and, and try to minimize your company, yourself, as much as possible and just see what happens. Absolutely agree. You know, and the funny thing is a lot of times I include third-party information. For example, selling smarter. Mm-hmm. You know, getting more results with less effort. Um, and it's not even things I've written, just quotes and articles mm-hmm. and so forth. Um, and so, you know, it's nothing about me. It's something I hope they find value in. And uh, ultimately, they're going to want to have a conversation when we're talking about selling smarter rather than harder. So, you know, it works. Yeah, Andy, I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on, um, you know, like what Kevin was talking about with kind of A-B testing and um, you know, prospecting is difficult. You know, I'll just be straightforward with it because like you said, you have to condense every, you only have so much space. You have to capture someone's attention quickly. It has to be something with their interest in mind. 
you can't write a novel because as soon as somebody looks at six paragraphs, you're like, I don't have time. Click, trash, gone. So how how are you, what are you finding that works? And is there a magic sauce? Is there a magic formula that says, you know, keep your initial cold outreach to this many characters or this many paragraphs or, um, you know, start with this intro versus that intro? Like, what have you found through your testing that uh, you've seen results with? Sure. Yeah. So uh, I kind of started on a personal journey journey in 2018 to do sales through LinkedIn. And I tried various messages and approaches and some work better than others. Right. And, you know, the thing that I've found is I have to have things of value on my website and on my social media that are free because the vast majority of executives are going to go to your social profile and your website before they'll ever decide on a phone call with you. So I try and put plenty of what I'd call hooks out there that are free, you know, free advice, free white papers, videos, tools, calculators, et cetera, that uh, they can use and whether they ever do any business with me or not. But ultimately um, you want to have a conversation with the person and you're trying to deliver things of value up front to get to a conversation. So that's worked really well in this area, you know, especially since 2020 and the pandemic, it just fast tracks digital lead generation in a big way. A lot of times, you know, companies won't even let you come into their office and sit in a conference room, you know, and deliver donuts and deliver coffee. So you have to find other ways to prospect and uh, digital is kind of, I think, um, a big way to do it without a whole lot of heavy lifting if you do it right. It is, I mean, digital is key right now. It, it certainly is. So, so let's talk about LinkedIn messages, right? So, and that's that, that is Trucking Tower, right? It is a service to uh, automate LinkedIn messaging so you can reach more people with a great message to pump up your, your pipeline of sales, you know, your, your lead generation efforts. Is that, uh, explain that a little bit to us. Yeah, so we have a coaching program and automation for LinkedIn lead generation. And it's um, a revamp of the LinkedIn profile most of the time because we need to deliver value through the Mm -hmm. profile and not a resume. So it's a program of coaching. And then there's an automated sequence of messages. And and our statistics show anywhere from 30 to 50% of the executives in a target group that you're going after will connect with you. But then from there, the average is six touches before you can get an executive to a meeting. Now, one of the things we're trying to well, that we do uh, in our program is get them to a 15-minute phone call that's a personal conversation, and you're going to bring up things about them from their LinkedIn profile. I see that you went to University of Oklahoma. You know, I see you're on this podcast and so forth. You're talking about them. Let them talk about themselves. That's one of the things people love to talk about themselves. <laughs> it's just the way it is. So let them and get a little bit of a comfort zone going, and then you get to the meeting after that. I love that. It's like, it's like small steps, right? Everybody, and and I'm guilty of this, right? I'm thinking long-term. I want to fast track to a close. I want to provide value. I want to get to the destination as quickly as possible. And sometimes I forget how necessary each of the small steps is along the journey. Um, And I, I think that's really great that you're breaking it down and you're saying like, let's just focus on the process and each step one at a time. And we'll get to wherever we're going to get. Um, yeah, that, that's great. How do you, 
how do you go, how do you structure, you know, six touches or a sequence of automated six touches, or even if those aren't automated, how do you do that in a way where it, it doesn't feel spammy? Like, like, how are you structuring or positioning those touches to be value driven and authentic and, and good and, and not just like, Hey, Hey, it's me again. You want to talk? You want to talk? You know, like <laughs> I'm curious to hear what your methodology is there. Absolutely. So one of my very first sequence messages is sending a third party article on the subject that I'm, that is relevant for the client and it's not written by them and it's not a sales pitch. It's not a brochure. It's something about the industry. And, they waves will, news and I ask for, what's that? A Freight Waves News article like that. That's right. Freight yeah. Waves said this, so it's got to be the truth. Yes. So, <laughs> um, and then I asked for their comments on it. I'd love to hear any thoughts on this, right? Um, and the funny thing is we've done studies on this. It's a psychological uh, buyer psychology process. People like to buy from people they know, like, and trust. So you got to get that no like and trust factor up to get more sales meetings. And so then, you know, further on from there, I'm providing a free video, how to close more deals on LinkedIn. No charge. Just here's advice on what to do with your profile, your messaging, what you should say and don't say. I've got a white paper on the same thing. Top 10 things not to do in sales. And it's got a lot of comedy in it and analogies in it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so we try and keep it light and optimistic and so forth. But you're not getting, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I probably get 15 or 20 spam inbox messages a week saying, I can do this, that, and the other for you. They don't know if I'm going through a merger acquisition, doing a new building, what they don't have any idea. But when you hit somebody up front with a spam message like that, a lot of times it'll close the door before you even get to talk to the person. It will. It will. Because I, I get those 20 spam messages and a, a lot of it is about asset based lending. You know, I have so many people wanting to loan me money against the uh, the equity in my trucks. Right. And which I, I don't own any trucks. So uh, that they didn't really do too much research. But I came up in that industry. Right. Trucking transportation. Uh, so it's, it's just a blind email. Um, going back to Rishi's point and Rishi's question, really, is, is how do you get so many contacts without it feeling spammy? And you, uh, you answered it. It's kill them with kindness. And a, a great thing of kindness is to give people free information. It really builds up the value. It's that non-monetary value that will close your actual deals. You just always have to be at every step of the process from that first cold email or message to the eighth cold email or eighth cold call uh, to the, the, the fifth follow-up. You always have to be building value, offering some type of value and asking nothing in return. I, I think that's, that's really the key, right, Andy? Absolutely. And then once you get the reply and somebody says, that sounds good or thumbs up, you know, I like it or... You know, I, I believe this about that article. You move them into an email warm funnel and you give them more value in, in a sequenced email follow-up program. And ultimately, you're trying to get them to a 15-minute call at the bottom. You Please feel free to book me for a call, you know, an introductions call. And then on that call, of course, like we talked about, let's talk about them. What's in it for them? I focus on them. 
you know, and it's, that's, it's just selling cheap. that call, right? There's there's first that first messaging is just about selling the call. You get them on the call, then you start worrying about the next step. Right, right. And the funny thing about it is, you'll ask these people about what's going on in the industry, what's going on with you, how did you get involved with your company, what do you do, you know, um, and let them talk and. It always comes back around to, so what do you do Yeah, every time, you know, but you just let them talk about what's going on with them and you'll be surprised. They'll ask, they're going to ask you what's going Okay. So what do you do? How can you help? And then there's your open door. And then typically in our, you know, sales process, we turn that into a meeting. And of course, in the days we live, it's an online meeting nine times out of 10. So, you know, get to an online meeting and again, even within that meeting, though, you don't want to show up and throw up. That's one of the top 10 things. Mm-hmm. Don't show up and throw up. Nobody wants to sit through a 15-page PowerPoint of text bullets. You've got to keep it live and back and forth and show what you can do, but then get their feedback as you go. And just don't just don't show up and do a 20-minute PowerPoint dump on somebody. It just doesn't <laughs> work very well. <laughs> uh, Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that my my wife and I, we have an 11 month old that's only going to be an 11 month old for two more days. His his first birthday is is Wednesday. And uh, so we're we're madly reading all the books that are, you know, how to parent and, you know, what to do and what not to do and how to keep them alive until they're old enough to move out and and all of that stuff. Um, And one of the books that I finished was uh, called Gardener and Carpenter. and, And Kind of, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking and putting all these things in my mind, kind of like making connections here. But it talks about, you know, there's kind of two more or less big thought processes towards parenting. There's carpenting, which is I'm going to chisel and form this to be exactly what I want it to be versus gardening, which is let's just control the environment and whatever happens, happens. And as I'm listening to you talk, it seems more of like a gardening type of approach where Instead of charging in and saying, I have this definite end goal in mind, and like Kevin's saying, this person's making assumptions right out of the gate, I want to lend you this and, and, and offering solutions that may not even be applicable. It seems like you're going in and saying, let's just create an environment and create a, a foundation of trust that allows for a natural and authentic sale to take place without pushing that sale. Um, do, do you feel like that that can elongate a sales cycle sometimes, or do you, do you feel like, regardless, that's just the best way to go? Um, just curious to hear, you know, what you, your thoughts on that and and the whole concept of environment versus forming some sort of preconceived uh, end goal. Sure. So you know, I have some case studies um, where the funny thing is, you close more business faster with this kind of an approach. Now, not everybody's going to be a fit for your solution. I mean, there's no way. But you close more deals faster. Uh, As evidenced uh, with my own company, we increased revenue by 51% during the pandemic. Uh, We also 10xed our own pipeline in six months using this. And then my clients, uh, Brad McBride's been on your show. He's got a testimonial on my website. Over 250 inbound leads in three and a half months, you know, uh, it's a solid funnel, you know, coming in. So what I've experienced myself and then what we've taken to market is 
You close more deals faster when you can deliver value and get a personal relationship going versus go right at them with what you've got and try and get that deal done quick. You get more deals done actually faster. And you eliminate the, the waste of time really on, on going after bad deals or going after people who aren't a fit uh, for your solution. It, it's pretty easy to find that out um, through, through a process like this. Now, Andy, you always ask this question. I have it written down here. How many leads do I actually need in order to hit my new client revenue number this year? I don't think a lot of salespeople really, really ask themselves this. They don't really, or if they do ask themselves this, they don't plan out the activity needed to, to actually achieve that number. Right. Absolutely. You know, we have a free tool <laughs> and it's a calculator. Go figure, right? So, uh, but it's a lead calculator and it helps you know how many leads you need and how many meetings a week you're going to need in order to hit your numbers. So it starts from the very top. How much new client revenue do you need in the next 12 months? Based off of that, how much is your, well, how much is your average client revenue per account? What's your close ratio? You know, for most companies, it's going to be in the five to 20% range. Mm -hmm. Um, some, some sales are more complicated than others, you know, a multi-year ERP rollouts, much more difficult than a, a website rebuild, you know, but there's a, there's a ratio in there, five to 20%, you plug in a number and it'll show you how many leads you're going to need and how many meetings you're going to need per week to hit your number. And we use that in our own companies and then, uh, you know, for clients as well. I'm curious, you know, some larger organizations, they may have a marketing department, they might have a business development department, they may have a sales department, and, you know, prospecting may fall on all three, or it may fall more heavily on marketing or BD, or, you know, th that that breakdown can, can be different from company to company. And I certainly think that, or assume that, you know, that it's beneficial to have some consistency across your messaging across all those different departments. You want the tone and the voice and the marketing to match what's happening in business development to match what's happening in the first sales call. Have, have you worked with some companies to, to provide that consistency and messaging across multiple departments where there's, you know, different people and different skill sets and, and so forth. And, um, you know, curious what, what that looks like for, for those clients that you have. Yeah, a big part of what we do right up front is a late time LinkedIn profile optimization. 99 times out of 100, it's marketing collateral that the marketing group has built of videos. Videos I love, number one. You know, I think videos are where it's at. <laughs> but also then white papers, case studies, testimonials. We need to bring that right up front and center in what we're talking about with clients and so we're working with the collateral that the marketing group is building and bringing that up in front and center. And then in the messaging that we're using, it's what's in it for that person. And of course, once you get to a sales meeting, every company has a sales pitch. Um, but during that first 15 minute phone call, we've had such good results with the approach of getting a personal relationship going. You know, every sales rep has a number they need to hit. I, you know, frankly, the marketing department doesn't care so much about how, um, you know, as long as you're not going outside the marketing collateral, obviously you don't want to just go um, haywire, but use their marketing collateral. But in your sales conversations, 
you're using these tactics. It's buyer psychology. And then you're delivering value during your sales meeting. Again, that's going to come from marketing. But we're, uh, you know, we're helping the sales rep get to their numbers. You know, that's what we're doing. And we're utilizing the collateral from the marketing departments. So I... And that's good that they stay within the marketing or the corporately approved messaging, I suppose, right? For for most people, right. it's good. For some people, it's not so good. But for, for most people, it, it is. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, so 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 inbound leads is is where everyone wants to be, right? That's the end of the journey. That's the end of the hustle, or not not really the end of the hustle, but it, it's one of the points along the way on on the grind and the hustle. But it all starts with outbound outbound prospecting. And I know that uh, a lot of people, uh, no matter what industry, freight, what uh, we talk about getting to the point where, where we can we can dominate inbound leads. And I think that's what everybody wants. Uh, but I think I, I think people uh, throw cold water on on cold emailing, cold messaging, uh, cold calling uh, a little bit that, that we, we, we talk to day, to day in, day out. But these, it, it works. I mean, it works. I mean, I, I, I did carry a list based on cold emails, kind of the same system that you're using in a, in a lot of respects. Except I was doing emails instead of messaging. And, you know, there, there's a fine line between being spammy and being aggressive. And sometimes you cross it, sometimes you don't. Uh, but for, for a lot of people, this is really the, the, the one option that they can start a book of business or a business or a sales position, right? and really have control over their destiny. Right, absolutely. And I actually believe in a thing called the breakup message. You don't want to do it until you're about 11 messages in. Mm -hmm. But basically you asking them, do you want me to just leave you alone? And a lot of times you'll get a response. No, no, it's fine. I'm just not in a good place to, to do anything yet. But don't, you know, don't drop me. Basically, you know, I don't know how many how many deals. It's it's amazing how many deals uh, we've sold at Carryless. Whenever it's a message from, it's like the sixth message of an email chain, right through through Gmail, the the sixth or seventh message, and it's like eight months old, and all of a sudden that need has arisen, and they've went in and searched out these emails, and I get the I, I get a reply. I, I get a reply yes. because I mean I, I get emails all the time too. I, I might not act on them, but that doesn't mean I don't want to, to see the next one because that need might arise. And if I can identify that, I, I'll keep it. I, I'll keep it until that need arrives. Absolutely. And there's you know in my sales career, I believe this is very true. You have early adopters, mm-hmm. you have mid tier adopters, and you have late adopters. The early adopters are willing to try things. Mid tier, they need about twenty other clients to have tried this. The late adopters need 15 case studies from top 100 <laughs> Fortune 500 companies, and they, yeah. you know, and then they're okay. I'm ready because everybody else is doing it. So, but that's true. And you know, they say I've heard the statistic at any one point in time, probably only three to five percent of your target market is in a position to buy what you have. But you need to get your funnel big enough to get enough of the deals through that you're going to make your revenue numbers, basically. I, I, I would add after late adopters, there's the laggards who, uh, they're, you know, they're still on like rotary phones, you know, and they're, they're probably just <laughs> like an iPhone. Like there's certain, you'd be surprised how, you know, I still talk to companies that, 
oh, we do everything through fax and phone, you know, and like they're not even using their computers yet. You know, like there's there's certainly like a more latency than that sometimes. But it reminds me about baseball in, in regards to timing. You know, when I was in the minors, um, you know, it's there's a lot of stuff that goes into ball, right? Whether you're going to make it to the big leagues and talent and work ethic are two of five or six things that have to all line up just right to get to the big leagues. And uh, I think it's important to, like you said, realize that timing and, and luck is certainly a part of it, but your luck can be made better with your, with your grind and your work ethic and all of these uh, practices. So, and you make um, your own luck. Absolutely. You make yeah. your own luck. And, and that's do. what you're doing right now, Andy. Thank you so much for, for coming on. How does, uh, how does our audience reach out, learn more about Trucking Tower and your LinkedIn messaging system? Sure, I appreciate you doing that. Uh, truckingtower.com is our website. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn under Andy Hedrick. Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much again, Andy. Always a pleasure talking to, to you, and uh, we'll keep in touch. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Andy. So, Richie, all about outbound lead generation. It's, uh, you know, you, you, do, you do make your own luck. Import. Uh, and sales, part of your own luck is having enough leads to where bad things can happen and you're still on pace to get over your quota. 100%. You know, and, and the thing that keeps coming to my mind during this conversation, Kevin, is that the same themes keep arriving uh, or coming to the surface in all of these shows, right? Like mm -hmm. whether we're talking about the science of selling, whether we're talking about spot market, whatever, or, or, or even, you know, prospecting, it's having a scientific mindset where you're testing things and you're paying attention to what the data is saying and you're understanding how numbers work and understanding the numbers that you have to play from a prospecting perspective. And secondly, is keeping your prospects' interests at the forefront of your mind, having everything around, you know, having them be the hero of the story that you're a part of. And, and those two things are, are just reoccurring things that just keep on coming to the surface the more and more we talk with, uh, you know, some of the, the leading individuals in the sales space. And uh, I think that's interesting. It, it is. It is very interesting. It, it really is because it's adding value. You know, Andy was just talking about it. You know, every little, every message, right? If, if it's six messages, eight messages, 20 messages, you know, you're always adding value. You're, you're not uh, pitching a product all the time, right? You're adding value. And if you can, if you can come up with a system where you're, you've added so much value, by the time you get on that 15-minute phone call, and then you can add value there, then, then the value is probably going to exceed the price at that point. Yeah, and, and, and if you time. think about it, the the whole goal is add value, even yeah. post sale, right? Mm -hmm. What you're selling exactly. is value. You're just you're adding value in the beginning, and then saying I can add a lot more. But we need to play by these rules, which involve this exchange of money and funds for us to continue this value addition, right? And so yeah. it's it's like you're just proving in the in the beginning before you put the rules in place the value that you're capable of providing it. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's how things deliver. work. Then you have to deliver, yeah. which is you know delivering with wow is 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 one of those uh, phrases that are always out there, but it's true. You have to deliver with wow. You got to say what you're going to do, and maybe three or four different things, and uh, to, to to keep that on the retention. You know whether you're you're a SaaS company or uh, you know just a general freight broker, right? I mean, it's all reoccurring business. 
that you have to keep your customer, it, it's, especially in freight brokerage, man. It takes so long to get a really good customer, get them through that pipeline to even transact business and then to expand that, that book of business or expand that customer's business within you to get, earn that trust to, to move more and more loads that losing that puts you far, far behind. And I, and I saw a lot of times during my, my freight brokerage career is, is you have that, that one big customer that does 80% and you fall off on your service and that 80% of your gross margin each month just disappears overnight. It's expectations management, right? You have mm -hmm. to land the business by setting correct expectations. And then on the service side, you still need to be able to exceed those expectations. So it's selling high expectations and then still finding a way to, to rise above. And keeping and that's that true. grind and hustle, right? I mean, that's a, a grind <laughs> yeah. too, right? Keeping those expectations up or meeting those expectations. Post-sell is a, a grind and hustle all of its own. A hundred percent. And again, like the, the fulfillment or like the overarching drive for, for doing that is that mindset of having the customer be the hero of the story, right? Where you're really going out of your way to make sure that they're still winning and that value is still there. Um, pre and post sale, and especially post sale, right? That's that's what's yeah. created the sickness. You know, something that's that's building high expectations throughout the logistics and supply chain, Richie. Oh, I can think of a few. Something cool, <laughs> something really cool, and something we're doing Friday here. Our next virtual summit is drone waves. It's all about drone oh, yeah. delivery. Talk about high expectations. Really cool technology. Really cool video throughout the day of drones in action, delivering everything from, from fast food, your McDonald's orders, to vaccines, to uh, whatever it may be, right? And where, where, where is drone technology and drone delivery going in the, the future? We have some, some great companies on, on lineup. We have NASA coming in to a keynote speak. They're, they're director of of drones, uh, of drone drone research, is talking with Dooner. Uh, I, I just did an interview today with Mana uh, from Ireland, who uh, is delivering all kinds of things. Uh, UPS is, is going to be joining us. Flytrax, uh, a, a number of different uh, companies that are are doing fantastic work. Horsefly is is another one, uh, but but we'll see. I mean that that's that's one of those technologies and and things that. Uh, so the sky's the limit, right? Drones, sky's the limit, but there's a lot of grinding and hustling that has to, 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 to go through. Um, but before that, they reach scale, but everyone's trying to reach scale. But that's what we'll be doing all day Friday. Uh, looking forward to it quite a bit. We'll be back with Put That Coffee Down. Richie's going to be in studio next week. We're going to plan it out right, and you're going to be in studio, Richie. And we will be uh, be talking to another great guest uh, about sales and marketing, uh, freight tech, freight sales, uh, freight brokerages. So catch us next week. And you can catch all this on FreightCast and put that coffee down audio version. I got friends only want to talk business. I got expensive because when is expensive. I got expensive because when is expensive. I've been getting out of work. I've been shutting down the stars.